they see what we're doing. They see what the, the energy is. They mm -hmm. see what direction we're going in. And just the history of where we come from, yeah. they still hate that. Yeah. Welcome to the Exit the Matrix podcast. I am Amin Drew Law along with Emoja the Mo Man Sumler. Emoja, what's up? What's good? Uh, we normally jump right into our um, you know, weekly hot topics. Um, but we're going to start off today with a little bit of a somber tone. Uh, rapper, activist, father, Nipsey Hussle uh, lost his life um, this past Sunday. Um, thoughts on Nipsey, Mo? I mean, lost his life is a real nice way of saying a punk-ass motherfucker who has a known history of working with law enforcement, though we don't know what law enforcement member he happened to be working for took the life of a, of a stellar father, of a, a, a lover of black women, uh, uh, of, a, of a hood youngin, uh, fantastic artist. I think um, it's difficult to look at where uh, Nipsey was in terms of uh, love and uh, desire to like embrace the hood and like mm -hmm. move up the entire culture of the hood is like automatically, when you, when you know that about a person of color, uh, a black man in America, you're thinking of, you know, how how did this happen? Like, like someone to get murdered on his own block in, in front of, of his kids. in front of his own store that he owned you know in broad daylight. It just feels like a move that nobody without the backing of some entity yeah, someone could pull signed off. off. Someone signed off. Look, and you know, you don't have to go down the Dr. Sebi route. If that's where you at, that's what's up. Look, the thing I'll say about this is whenever you have a black person in America that be on that unbent, unbrowed, unbroken, when they be on that, you know what I'm saying, that strong Dornish background shit, when things happen to them, it's never beyond the realm of plausibility that somebody was performing an op. It's just not. And I think also, too, when you think about <clears throat> just, I think, the government's um, conversations surrounding gangs, you know, it's such a scapegoat that they use for a lot of the tactics that they use that are, um, you know, against, against uh, international law, really. Um, you know, that, that's what I feel like is automatically they is used to like trump up the case, you know, like ratchet it up more. You know, it's like, oh, it's gang violence. We, we think that it was gang violence. So I, I, I like really hate that narrative. And I also, um, you know, we always talk about gang violence now and, and the conversation surrounding gangs as, you know, the way that it was. In the early 90s, 90s with West Coast gangsters. And it's just evolved into something Absolutely. different. He's definitely from the hood. He's definitely a gangster. Look, I'm going to tell you as a person that came up in the hood, right? Now, I was never a blood, but I was definitely unofficially affiliated. All of the homies that I came up with was made. All of the homies that I came up with did work. That was part of who we were. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, even those cats loved Nipsey, right? Like, and these are guys that never, never listen to, like, Crip rappers. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so, like, when you have that kind of a connection, like, the, the gang angle to me becomes more a thing of authenticity as opposed to a point of rivalry, you know? And, and that, that in and of itself has brought him enemies. You know, it's a lot of people that uh, can't celebrate Nipsey. And look, I'm not here to tell you who to and who not to. I'm just going to say, remember again, man, when you're talking about people who literally every day of your life you're worried Am I going to be killed by the police today? Am I going to be killed by somebody in my set? Am I going to be killed from somebody in a rival set? Is the essay going to take a shot at me today? 
you know? Those guys don't always have access to having the time to sit down and understand Audre Lorde. They're not coming from a place where they have had access to the type of learning where they can even have an understanding of what intersectionality is or social frameworks. I got grace for those cats. Well, yeah, no, facts. Well, I think Nipsey is one of the people that was, you know, really on the path. I don't know how much you listen to Nipsey coming up, but Nipsey has always been sort of an artist that was like when he dropped something, there were a couple joints on there that you would rock with. You know, he had endless mixtapes. He never I never felt like until this last previous album, you know, that Nipsey was sort of on the um he belonged in group A. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, Not right, to say right. he wasn't talented, you know what I'm saying? But he really felt like after this album, he was a part of Group A. And I think that was not necessarily just because he grew as an artist. I think he just evolved as a human being. And it really came across on, you know, on, on, the, on the new album. Victory um, Lap was a fucking perfect album. I mean, it was just incredible. And, that, you know, and that's one of the things he talked about all the time, right? Now, so this is my call out to all of the prospective allies. Nipsey Hussle may be uh, a rapper that you may only have just heard of in the last week or so, right? You may not even be a big hip-hop fan, but when we talk about, like, what can you do to make a difference, this was a person that owned 100% of his masters, right? So every single stream you give, every single album you buy right now, that money is going to his family. It is going to help support a black woman that now has a child uh, whose father has been removed you know, from their life. These are legitimate, simple, easy things you can do to really help. Yeah, get on whatever streaming service you use. And, um, uh, and also, also just, you know, to put his, uh, his spirit in the air, you know, to let it percolate, legends never die type situation, you know. You ready to enter into the Matrix, man? man you ready to enter it. into the Matrix? All right, let's enter the Matrix. Um, so if you have been following the presidential race, uh, the Democratic nominees for 2020 are here and coming out of the woodwork. It's like, um, so we're going to talk a little bit about um, who's running. Uh, I have a list right here. Mo Man, I'm going to name them and then uh, I'll take your quick thoughts. Right, right, All right. right, right. Yeah, before you even get into it, how many candidates do we have officially from the Democratic <laughs> Look, side? I don't know what the official number is. I have a number here. It looks like close to maybe 16 or 17 wow. on wow. here you know this is this is the equivalent of a record label just throwing a bunch of artists at the wall and seeing what single Fucking sticks no limit dude yeah yeah this is this is the no limit like we're just gonna put 40 mixtapes out with all kind of different guys from the area and see which one sticks so right, hit me hit me hit yeah me. we'll me, we'll see which one is the mystical and which one is the um <laughs> mr <Cerebral>. you know <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start off. Let's start off with a well-known name, uh, Cory Booker. Man, fuck that motherfucker, man. This motherfucker is Obama light, diet Obama ass, corny motherfucker. You know, this motherfucker recently said he sends text uh, back and forth to like the uh, the the um, the executive director of APAC, like 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 the homies and shit, like psh, boo. Like they got a little group chat or something going on. How you doing? What did you eat today? Fuck that. Next. Uh, okay, uh, Julian Castro. 
Julian Castro is somebody I need to know more about. I know that he served in the uh, Obama administration. I know that he is pro uh, reparations, or at least a conversation about that. So that's a conversation that's worth happening. Um, his close association to Obama looks makes him look like a neoliberal to me, and so I'm automatically a little, a little bit hesitant. Now, this is a person that has Latinx background, so I'm really going to be very interested in seeing what kind of positions they have on Latin America uh, involvement and, and uh, specifically Venezuela. That, that'll be a deal breaker for me immediately. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's move on. Uh, John Delaney. Who? Tulsa Gabbard. Okay, I know a little bit about her. Uh, she has a little bit of anti, uh, anti-war credential, but at the same time, this was one of the first persons that was like, you know, the Mueller report is, is dropped and, you know, we just need to codify and, you know, rally around our president. Psh, next. Kirsten Gillibrand. Fucking banker. Next. Kamala Harris. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I love kicking it with the cops. Next. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, John Hinkelooper. Who? Jay Insel, Insley, who? Uh, Amy Klobuchar. Oh my God! This person is to the right of fucking Hillary Clinton. Next. Um, oh shit. Sorry. <laughs> There's just like a list that just goes on forever. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay. someone else just got in the race, right? Yeah. <laughs> breaking news. <laughs> Look who's in it. <laughs> Beto O'Rourke. Motherfuck, man. Look, this motherfucker is Ronald Reagan dressed as a Democrat, bruh. Fuck. Why the fuck this nigga always standing on shit? What's that shit about? Like, he understands branding very well, but this is a person that is, he's a fucking Texas Democrat, which means he's a Republican everywhere else in America. Yeah, he looks like a TV dad. Isn't he handsome? <laughs> little handsome motherfucker. That, I'm always aware, afraid of, like, when Democrats give me little handsome-ass motherfuckers. It's like, all right, Family values, fake ass shit. Next. Yeah, all right. Um, Marianne Williamson. Who? <laughs> um, Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang is a person whose policies are pretty interesting, except that he has this closet neo-Nazi shit that's going on all the time, Like, which is really amazing for me to watch a, a person of Asian heritage be like, you know, America is a place where, like, hard, where only Americans can't get ahead. What the dog whistle? Dog whistle yeah. next. Yeah, no, that's facts. Well, he was um he was definitely talking about basic universal income, you know. So right. I think that's what put him on the map. But like you were saying, there's these really strange ties to uh, like white supremacy and he's like, who's, who's the motherfucker that got punched in the face? He lives in Arlington, the the what uh, white nationalist in uh, Charlottesville. Oh yeah, I forget his name. I forgot, but I know who you're talking about. He loves that guy. Oh, damn. Nah, right. he fucking loves him. So weird, man. Yeah. Man, it's, I'm telling you, man, strange bedfellows, bruh, in the game. Okay, let's move on. How about Elizabeth Warren? You know what, man? Elizabeth Warren, I'm not going to lie, was somebody that like eight years ago I was excited about. The thing about Democrats is if you give them enough time, they fuck it up for themselves. Like, again, if she was the person that she claims to be, her backing someone like Sanders should have been a no-brainer, right? But really, she should have ran before Sanders. And that's not even to say Sanders is someone worth backing, but based upon the Democratic, I'm a progressive type, you know, identity politics that they run with, 
that they should have been bedfellows. But I mean, to his credit, right? If he was the motherfucker that he claimed to be, he should have came out and made her his fucking vice president nominee off the fucking rip. That would have done a huge strike against any preemptive claims of uh, misogyny. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, he was still gonna get sunk because he got fucking problems. But yeah, I want to say like I think what's I think the reason they didn't be they're not like a running mate partner is because they're almost too similar. Absolutely. Like I I just feel like Elizabeth Warren is just it's like in the the in the levels it's like in the in the in the grand scheme of like left and right within that you know the proximity of uh, uh, Democrats and Republicans it's like there's they like. Both dominate the same space, Absolutely. you know, and it's like one Which is demographic. Why they be natural allies this is what I'm saying. Like they should have. Yeah. Been- well, no, because that's not how you win elections. You know, I'm trying to find some positive things here. Um, you know, she's trying to t- you know take down the, the monopolies. Yeah, Google, you know? Apple. Yeah, those things make sense. Actually, she said she didn't say Apple. She said Google, Facebook, and Amazon. And, and Amazon. that's that's a real policy platform, and it's great. But at the same time, you know, she like look at how much. No, she's. Super anti-Palestinian, and that's a that's a deal breaker for me. Yeah, which politician isn't? I mean, at this well, point, well, I know. mean that's why a lot of my deal All right, breakers. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders, man, motherfuck, fucking casual racist grandpa, man, is another dude who looks to be super fucking woke until like you really look at the policy. Like we've talked about it before, the fifteen dollar minimum wage is one of the least advanced concepts this was something that could have been important maybe 20 years ago but when you look at what inflation has done like it's not a very strong position at all this is a person that has continuous racial blinders you know i mean elizabeth warren that's something else you know she has in common where she's gonna argue us all down she's cherokee princess and it's like this is offensive as shit like, you were a very wealthy white woman living your life as a white woman. And, like, the fact that she was willing to go to the killing floor over that, you know, and it's, it's burning with the, with, the, with the reparations things. Ta-Nehisi Coates has, like, tried to guide him kindly to the left, and this person just stands adamant. Bernie is, um, I, he's, if you watch in one of his um, speeches and you want to play a drinking game, just anytime he says millionaire or billionaire, take a shot and you'll get fucked up. You know what I'm saying? It's like every speech. He's like, the billionaires, the billionaires, you know, we need that to. Is, you sound just like that for Yeah, me. hey. That's what's up. You, you know, you've been really getting me with the with the accents and the impressions, man, and you've just been making me. You've been <laughs> making me do better. Okay, America, the billionaires. All right. I really wish that Bernie Sanders was the person that people think know, he is. It would be so nice. That really would be, man. But look, I'm just here to ruin it for y'all. I'm a pee-pee on your Sunday. Yeah, and I'm, the problem is, is that like I'm not gonna stop you from doing it. Ain't you know? no septuagenarian cis hat white dude that's a millionaire, the intersectional solution you're looking for. I just come on, man. All right, let's finish this off here with Pete Buttigieg. Fuck Buttigieg. Oh my god. Okay, so first off, this motherfucker, right, a year ago, just got back from Israel talking about why do the Palestinians continue to provoke Israelis, right? So that's like, okay, there you are with that. This motherfucker was military intelligence, which is a confusing thing. He's from a city that's not even like one of the 10 biggest cities in America. Uh, And he's a gay man. Shout out to LGBTQ. But like, there's a gay man that like still eats fucking Chick-fil-A. I mean, which really kind of sums up everything about why like (laughs) some people are just harder to coalition with than others. He literally said, I do not approve of Chick-fil-A's politics, 
but I do approve of their chicken. I approve of their chicken. What kind of hoe shit is that? And these are the type of dudes you trying to serve us up as a presidential candidate? We talked about industry plants and hip-hop, bro. Buddha judge. This is a dude you never fucking heard of before. Now you hear his name every fucking where, man. Fuck. This dude is the the yellow wolf of... Oh, oh my God. (laughs) We're definitely bringing that in, too. I do want to apologize, man. When I listened to the podcast the other day, and you really were trying to jump on the white dude rappers, you know? And I kind of didn't let you do it. I was like, gone to my own thing. Like, I wanted to apologize for that, man. No, I no, no. I mean, it's always, we we going to pick that up a little bit later on, though. Definitely. I just, oh, yeah, yeah. We can I talk about like okay, That's definitely a conversation worth having. All right, let's continue. All right, we're still here in the Matrix. We're still talking Matrix stuff. Brexit, uh, man. Brexit. Um, I You know, I think both of us are sort of uninformed on exactly what's happening. But from the best I can I can judge, it just seems like politicians they just had a really confident moment brought to the attention of the public it's it's like their wall they brought something to the public that the public didn't realize they wanted they brought brexit to the table and it was like the public had really no idea that they needed that and it it turned into something that really has no finality in 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 logic a plane in a in a nosedive right and people keep voting like well, let's hit the ground faster. Let's hit the ground faster, right? So, like, what, what Brexit tells me more than any other thing, right? For those of you that don't know, Brexit is uh, the, the British Empire, the, the I'm sorry, the, the United Kingdom, uh, deciding to no longer be a part of the EU uh, in a cohesive type of fashion, right? They're still maintaining NATO alliance and all of that good stuff, but they're divesting themselves economically, all of these things that have to be rectified before this hard Brexit happens in like a, a week or two. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in mid-April unless uh, Theresa May. Yeah, except if not. And that's how I keep hearing it. It's like, except if not. Except of all these rules. And it just feels like, y'all really botched this? And and it's it's a huge mess, it, man. It signals to me the, the end of the EU as a, as a superpower, right? Because without the loss of the, the economic engine of the Great Britain and all of their productivity, right, they can no longer serve as a true counterbalance to, like, the United States offerings, Russia's offering, China's offering. They're, they're, they've, and truthfully, where, where India's about to be, where India's about to come on, right? So, like, it really shows uh, an eclipsing of of what's happened in in Europe, and so that's to me that's a, it's just a fascinating thing. I mean, but I mean, like, so like EU, the EU is going through all kinds of identity situations as it is right now because like you have what does it mean to be a European, right? And there's always been this conversation of like the Europeans as a genteel, uh, a more cultured, a less violent place than say like America. You know, like we're supposed to be the good cultured ones, right? But like. In Poland right now, you have 50,000 neo-Nazis that are marching, you know, and having referendums about what it means to be Polish. And so, like, there, there's a lack of a cohesive uh, effect in, in, in Europe right now that really has, it shows that they don't have an identity of what they want to project to the world. And I think that it's, it becomes incredibly dangerous as you continue to move forward with, you know, like the populism and the, uh, the ratcheting up of like white supremacy for political rhetoric. What you have is a lot of dangerous uh, consequences coming out of this, this rhetoric. 
um, of people that I, I'm not saying are being, um, their ideologies are not being transformed, you know, they're just being emboldened. And you look at Poland and you're seeing an entire country of, of be, that's just being emboldened to take on Nazi ideologies. I mean, that's, that's really, that's pretty scary. Poland wasn't, Poland was a more leftist uh, a country like 10 years ago or like no, less than that. I mean, it's, 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 it's incredibly troubling. Yeah, I mean, well, what you have to look at is the fact that there are these people that are allowed to go around the world and give these speeches, and they become motivators to these these outliers, right, in very violent ways. Look, we have to realize no one would have let Osama bin Laden just give speeches around the world about why we should consider, you know, uh, Wahhabism. Like, no one would allow that to happen, right? So then why is it any different when someone like Steve Bannon goes around the world and literally stokes up white supremacist frenzy everywhere under the, the guise of free speech and not treating it as hate speech. And it really goes to the essence of what white supremacy is. Well, what we say is always just, this is just intellectual. Or political, or it's just like polite violence. It's, 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 it's the rhetoric masked, you know, in all these different, like where you're talking about um, jingoisms and things like that, dog, like you said, the dog whistles. Like there's just so much language that all of the white supremacists, whatever faction of white supremacy there is, because right. there's so many different kinds of little right. small factions. Um, Richard Spencer, that's how we couldn't think of his name. Right, right. right. Motherfucker, the guy smacked in the fucking face. Right, that was hilarious. What happened to him? I thought he was, I haven't heard much from uh, the camp. He's going through a divorce right now because his wife, who is totally okay with him being a white supremacist, had some kind of problem with him being a domestic abuser. All right, can we move on? <laughs> let's get, let's move on. Yeah. Um, uh, so Mexico um, has asked Spain to apologize. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they take and they take and they take, but they never give. Also, uh, in the news, um, Jamaica has asked Britain for reparations, and that's a conversation that we've been wanting to have on, on it's reparations. All the same conversation, right? Yeah. Because reparations isn't just a phenomenon that happened uh, with black Americans. Look, when we're talking about the effects of colonialism, colonialism means I came to your country and through right of force took your shit, used your shit, bubbled from your shit, and didn't, wouldn't, then normally won't even let you come over to where I'm at to kick it with my shit that I stole from you. You know what I'm saying? So like when we talk about reparations, look, any other medium, look, this is called a loan. I loaned you resources and materials. Now that has to come back with interest. That's what reparations is. They got labor for free. They got materials at gunpoint, right? Like, no one, your neighbor couldn't come into your house right now with a gun, appropriate your TV, and be like, oh, well, it's mine now. And it seems like a conversation that's been going on for 70, 80, 90 plus years, you know, that doesn't seem to have any, it doesn't feel rooted in something that can actually happen, you know? And the conversation has been bubbling, you know, a few years. Okay, okay, I can I ask you a question? Sure. Give me, um, Give me your plan for reparations right now. So what would be, uh, what game, what board game would you say most perfectly encapsulates capitalism? I would say Monopoly. Monopoly is exactly the thing because the whole point of Monopoly is you acquire all of the things that there are to have and then everybody else has to give you assets when you land on things that are yours. So like if you think about America as a game of Monopoly and each year is a trip around the board. When you're looking at people of color and black people specifically that had to go around the board 300 times 
before we could buy land, right? Like when you're thinking about it like that, when you think about it, the fact that America was over 150 years old before black people could even buy land, not only could you not buy land, anything you landed on, somebody else could buy, right? Because you yourself were an asset that was owned. So by the time you get to the point where you can buy land, so much of the land has been bought, so much of the assets are already taken, and then we're talking about hereditary titles and hereditary ownership where what you own, your kids can own, right? So there's literally nothing left for me to buy by the time I can buy. This is why reparations is absolutely critical because it allows a reset of the conversation and allows access to capital and assets that otherwise would have been denied. How that looks, maybe you give land. Maybe black people are granted perfect credit for the next 50 years and have to be, you know what I'm saying? Zero interest loans. Maybe, you know, there's so many different ways we could approach what reparations looks like, but it has to be a set aside specifically for People that can't, people of color in America, and not just black people, Native Americans. I think about things that have happened uh, with essentially the the immigrants from the from China. You know, all of those people, descendants from Mexico. You know, the Aztlan people. Uh, all of those people are owed different things because of the ways that we were exploited. You know, and I don't feel like that should be a d divisive conversation. I don't feel like only black people are owed reparations, but explicitly black people are owed reparations. And the precedent has already been set. Um, the Japanese that were Japanese. interned, they, they got reparations. Uh, the, the, the Ashkenazi uh, have received reparations from the United States of America, even though they did not, they were de facto enemies of the, the Nazi regime. The United States has become a you know trillion dollar plus mega power uh, it could not have existed if not with 400 years plus of uh, free slave labor like you were saying if you in capitalism in this society in civil court in so many places restorative justice is basically limited to how much money you can give somebody so with a powerhouse like the United States that is the largest um, economic power maybe in the history of the planet, um, you're talking about a real number here, a real... Yo, one point of order, one point of order is I wouldn't say uh, slave labor, I would say the labor of the enslaved. Because it's important that we put that action first, right? Slave is not a race, slave is not an ethnicity, uh, it is an occupation, and no one says doctor labor, right? No one says nurse labor, Right. People can be enslaved, but people are not slaves. But when people are enslaved, it makes you ask who. Thank you for the correction, Broski. There we go. Appreciate you, man. That's something this week. Uh, so no. can we can we parlay then? Can let's we parlay? Let's, let's, let's go to the second segment. This segment is called Styling On. Styling on them. Let's hear your well, let's hear your thoughts on ghostwriting. Your thoughts on um I'm a, I'm gonna throw up a real huge yeah butt, man. Look. I wanna say I probably went harder than anybody in the history of, of hip-hop against ghostwriting. I hate ghostwriting. I feel like I don't understand what the point is. Like, it's not singing where, like, you know, you hear because you got some great-ass pitch and singing is the shit that you do, right? Then you ain't necessarily got to be the one that writes it because what you bring to the, to the, to the art is your voice, right? That's the instrument. But as a hip-hop artist, what you bring is your, your, your stories. And if they're not your stories then I want the person whose stories they are. And I, and I know that it goes back a long ways. You know, I, you don't have to just diss Drake, although dissing Drake is a lot of fun. 
It is. Corny ass motherfucker. I hope you hear this and cry somewhere in the six. Hey, but Jay Prince, I want you to know, man, utmost respect for you. Okay. Um, yeah, but like, I realized my own hypocrisy because as much as I hate uh, MCs that have had ghostwriters, you know, all the way going back to Tone Loke, man, because remember, you had Young MC wrote for him. So it's like not a new phenomenon. But, like, at the same time, man, there's nobody in the game I love more than Eazy-E. And Eazy-E had ghostwriters his whole fucking career. Like, people need to stop acting like that wasn't the truth. Like, Eazy had ghostwriters. But I fucked with Eazy. It's polarizing for me because, you know, I look at, you know, singers, people who are vocalists who have that type of range can take a song you know, that was written by someone who um, you know, has a just propensity for writing, writing music and writing songs. Uh, and you kind of couple those things together and they create something beautiful. I think the problem with doing that in hip-hop is because the perception of hip-hop is what you are saying is really an extension of self. Who, who, of self. Um, and the words that you say are just as important as how you say them and how it sounds. I think of, you know, I work with young people, you work with young people, and, you know, a lot of times their conversations surrounding rappers is... Is this person authentic? Is this person genuine? You know what I'm saying? Where you, uh, you know, this type of person, they want to know where that aspect right. is because rap music is skews that line of what's personal and what's uh, theatrical. And I think that's the conflict that we always run into with hip hop because it's such an important personal uh, artistic expression. You know that came out of. Um, you know, like lack of instruments and lack of these things. All you had was this spoken word-esque right. uh, <clears throat> musical art form. It becomes hard to say ghostwriting is cool. Uh, Lupe Fiasco, you know, was talking more about his time at Atlantic Records, which I think Lupe Fiasco and Atlantic Records conversation, we need a full documentary oh, I'm on with that it, man. immediately. But he was talking about sometimes uh, he, would get he would get phone calls or he would come to the studio and producers would have basically written whole songs for him or basically said, this is the song, this is the concept, here's, which we, you know, here's the idea of what we want you to write. And that was so interesting to me because Lupe did not seem like the type of person you could write for. I don't think that's writing for him. I think that's like giving you a guided prompt. A guided prompt? Where someone writes the refrain for your poem and someone uh, writes the title uh, and someone... Look, okay, so look, I'm going to say this, man. Lyrically, I can't be fucked with. You know, I mean, lyrically, I'm really, really fucking great. That's not to, you know, just... But the, but the fact is... <laughs> oh, I'm my. I love this. Yeah, talk fucking that shit. terrible at coming up with hooks, yo. I would kill for someone to write some fucking hooks for me, and I I fill that shit in with my lyrics, but you give me the... Fucking whatever the fuck. Like, that would be my shit, man. I would not feel bad about that at all. Have you heard Lupe, though? I just feel like it's just, it's, I'm not saying that his, he didn't have great choruses and great songs. It just felt like he didn't seem like the kind of person that could just flip, you know, what his verses were going to be based off. I mean, I guess he could have. Look, no, man, you're right. no, musically, you're, you're... musically, he's off, right? Like, he makes some weird shit. Sometimes it's really good. Look, I thought he was going to be, I thought he was going to be Kendrick before Kendrick became Kendrick. I thought that's who he's gonna be. I thought that was his lane, right? But at the same time, bruh, he strikes fear in people. I remember when uh, when uh, Most Def came back and was on everybody like, "All you young motherfuckers is punks. Y'all all suck." And I'll freestyle any of y'all. I'll put up a million dollar bag right now to freestyle anybody in the game. And Lupe was like, "All right, well, I'm your Huckleberry." And that nigga's like, "I'm just funning." 
Like, most of that back the fuck down from, like, having to go at it with, with fucking Lupe, man. Look, motherfuckers are afraid of Lupe's pen, bro. Well, okay. I don't think that Drake could have ever had that same kind of fucking... Look, motherfuckers been like, shit, I'm about to take a million dollars and humiliate Drake. We haven't had the Drake conversation yet. I think it would be pointless <laughs> at this point. If you don't know, I mean, I, I used to really have an affinity for Drake, and I used to defend him man. constantly to this the man sitting next to me. The beginning of our friendship, I came in shitting on Drake. Yeah, man. and I came defending. I came defending. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I just wonder someone like a Drake, um, you know, it becomes he becomes more of a Tom Brady with it. Like, oh hell I, yeah! I I came into this game. I had some talent. I was a try hard guy. You know, I was put he's in a, a position. Handsome dude. I was put. The Democrats in a, are gonna run this motherfucker, man. Oh, well, now nah, he's not born in America. Oh right. Well, that doesn't matter, right? <laughs> um, I I think there's a science to this, and I think Tom Brady has figured out the science of how to throw a football in this particular system with this particular lineman and these particular receivers to constantly win all the time. Uh, and you can only be beaten by someone who is willing to go outside ultimate of that. Ultimate product of the system. <clears throat> well, yeah, it's an ultimate product of the system. It can only be beaten by um, an anomaly in the system. You mm. know, a Philadelphia Eagles, an anomaly in the system. A Pusha T, an anomaly in the system. It doesn't, you know, it's like when a chess player can beat the computer because it just wasn't expecting that type of artistic move. It didn't, you know, it wasn't since logically it had daring. Um and I think when you ha when I talk about that in terms of ghostwriting, like Drake doesn't need a ghostwriter, but he gets it because he knows he can boil down right. something that's so um, he so takes formulaic lines that are not his and makes you forget about it even when you've heard them before. I, what was that Players Club, man? A lot of players throwing salt in the game. Like I I totally remember when that song came out, and then fucking Drake did that shit with YZ. And uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, fucking YG. Home. Yeah, YG. Yeah, and it's like, oh shit, oh shit, this is a fucking bite, man. This is a whole fucking bite. But you, it don't even sound like it because he got so much swag and he, you know. So fuck them niggas, All man. All right, what's next? What's next? Yo, so let's talk about let's talk about uh the white on one crime, man. Let's do it. Okay. Does Yellow Wolf have a right to come for MGK, Post Malone, uh, Easy, all them? Uh, what what do you think? I was I wanted to tell you this before, like, bruh, I just don't even give a fuck about <laughs> it, man. Like, I do care about it because I want to belittle it, and I want to I want to pick it apart because these guys are really doing too much, and they're and this is for this is like not the way as a white rapper when you come in this game, you really should have your lunch pail ready to go to work. You should show humility. I feel like all the dopest white artists always are like, hey, I appreciate the love. Here are the people that influenced me. Here is how I move through the world. Here is how I can add to the game from this perspective. And I think those guys have constantly tried to uh, throw themselves into the mainstream. What's the one that I hate the most? He did the song with ASAP Rocky and Cardi B. He G Easy. Oh, God, bro. Like, what is his How use dare in the game? a white rapper? make easy part of his name at all and what's the story like was he part of no limit or some shit like what the what nah the? let me tell you i heard one of my friends who is a type of person that will listen to g easy play me a g easy mixtape from when he was a college rapper <laughs> i trust man everything about him is fabricated but you he were talking does about industry incredible plans. numbers okay yes he does i think he was on tour with 
like Schoolboy Q or something. You think MGK really fucked his, uh, fucked his girlfriend now? Okay, can you break down what the beef <laughs> is? Because I actually don't even know what it is. So, uh, so again, right? You remember that old meme where the Spider-Man is pointing at the other Spider-Man and like, you're the fake Spider-Man. You're the fake. I feel like it's kind of that way with the white rappers, man. It's like, like fucking, they're kind of like a Highlander rules. Like there can only be one. But it's a new thing, man. Like, and it's all this shit, right? Because like when when fucking um, when Slim Shady first came out, he provoked beef with fucking uh, ICP. I think about ICP. Now these are white rappers that go out of their way to like not actually upplay their whiteness. Like they put on fucking makeup. You know their shows are almost like carnival type acts. They had a lane that reminded me a little bit of the Beastie Boys. Like, hey, we just going to stay the fuck over here and we going to do this little fucking thing. You know what I'm saying? If you fought with us, you fought with us. If you don't fought with us, hey. You know what I'm saying? But like Eminem is like, no, nah, fuck that shit, man. Y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the white rapper from fucking Detroit. And like other white rappers seen that. Like, because remember him and Everlast had a fucking beef. You know what I'm saying? Like Eminem had beef with like every white rapper that came up in the game. You know, and so like it's become that same kind of fucking thing. Like, well, I'm legitimate and I'm the only real white guy that's legitimate. The rest of you guys, you know, but think about like what this would have been like in the 50s, right? So you have like fucking Jerry Lee Lewis talking shit about fucking Elvis, you know, talking shit about the fucking Righteous Brothers. Like, really, that's the only way to do this shit is like the way the Righteous Brothers did. Like, sneak in, sing your little fucking song. The people that don't know, let it be like that. Never come out, say you the fucking best. Just be happy that you fucking accept it. Just be fucking happy that you accept it. You don't get to be the arbiter of who can and can't fucking be here. Because all you motherfuckers is guests. Um, you know, we give a lot of flack for Nikki for never seeming to get along with the next up-and-coming uh, woman MC in the game. It felt always the same way to Eminem. Like, he couldn't allow another white artist Not in the at game. All. He, Unless he, they kissed his ring. Unless they unless they kiss his ring and then got on a song with him, you know, like right. Yellow Wolf could be a part of his squad because Yellow Wolf was ready to play that role. You know, when I look at just Eminem's career and like everything that goes on with these white rappers, bro, I, I Eminem is a fucking terrible. I, I literally would rather listen to fucking Korean trap right now, which, by the way, y'all is a real fucking thing. Then listen to fucking Eminem, bro. I was Don't listening. Don't even bring Korean trap in the same sentence of what Eminem. Because Korean right trap now. is fucking dope. But yeah. like, so like, I'm sitting there listening to that. Uh, you put me up on what's his name? Uh, is it Booger or whatever? What's his name? Boogie. What's oh, his name? Boogie. Yeah. Boogie. Boogie. All right. Right. And like, I'm listening to that fucking song, and he's going the fuck in. And then Eminem comes on, and I'm like, God damn. The, like, literally the whole song with this shit right there. He doesn't rap on the beat anymore. He, the only person that is off beat as fucking Eminem is Blueface. He just says what the fuck he wants to say over music. And it's, it's no longer syncopated. It's not to the beat. And like, but at the same time, it's arrogant. Like, I'm the god of rap. I'm the rap god. He exists in a realm where he created a... Um, a sound at a certain point in time that has been frozen in time. He didn't affect the game anyway. Like the game isn't altered because mm. sonically the game is not altered at all by what Eminem did. Uh, what did he, Gucci he say? You really run around listening to fucking easy, uh, listening to fucking motherfucking Eminem. Yeah. No, damn. He killed it. Interview. Like Gucci killed it. He needed to say. And I just, I, it's like, look, if, if you think that Eminem's style of, you know, just throwing words together that that rhyme in this like, in, you know, it's like uh, a magic act, you know, and you're still cool with that, even though he's gotten worse over the last decade. I, I just challenge you to think, think of this. 
is there any rapper in the game, maybe other than LL Cool J, that has more bad music than good music other than Eminem? He's put out he's put out maybe twice as much horrid music as he's put out good music. That's even if you liked what he was doing in the beginning. So it's not a place for me to say this person is irrelevant to the game. Like I get what he provided and what a um a unique aspect it is, but it's one of those things where it didn't age well. What song do you go back and listen to of Eminem's where you're like, "Whoa, this one is a classic." I, I, I don't think it's going to be on any of those albums. Nah. I think there'll be and features, and I think there'll be songs with other people. It's not as good as, as I remember. I remember the first time I heard Eminem, right, uh, was actually on a track uh, with Kid Rock, and it was called Fuck Off. And I go back, and I still, to this day, I remember thinking, like, Kid Rock had a better verse. And I should never walk away from a song thinking that. You know what I'm saying? So, anyway, um, sell me a song, man. Sell me a song. Sell me something that, uh, a song that I should be fucking with. So I don't want to give you just a song. I want to give you an artist, if I can. Please do. Um, I, I don't, have you heard of uh, Rosalia? I have not. Um, so Rosalia is a, a Spanish vocalist. She does a particular, um, a traditional type of um, music and singing, and she sort of um, got the <clears throat> James Blake uh, makeover Okay. where there's uh, a little bit of that hip hop influence, a little bit of that American sound influence, um, and she just released an album. I don't have the don't no, have no, the no. Title that's, of what, it. that's what's up. Though. Um, but uh, a lot of really, it reminds me of uh, like like a call to prayer, you know. And if you oh, know anything shit. about um, if you know anything about uh, Spain and the Moors, you know there, yeah. there's such a Muslim influence in in uh, in Spanish uh, culture. Um, and she seems to embody all of that. Plus, she's you know summertime fine, and yeah. <laughs> and um, you know like I said, it has that. It's a traditional influence, but you know, re- I mean, a traditional uh, form of singing, but it has this like updated um, vibe. You know what I'm saying of of hip hop and, and 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 Western music. It's it's really dope, man. And uh, I think you should fuck with it. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit more um, obvious. I'm still fucking with Nipsey, of course. So, like, for all of y'all that want a good song to jump in on for some Nipsey, fuck with Sucker Proof. I feel like that was one of his uh, uh, best uh, best tracks. Um, Hustle and Motivate, of course, on fucking Victory Lap is another really, really great fucking track. Grinding All My Life. You know, these are all really, really good. And then there was a, a fucking Queen Sheba, man. Put me up on a fucking Nipsey Hustle song. It was a, it was a Sade cover, If You Were Mine, man. So, you know, shout out to Queen Sheba. But uh, If You Were Mine, man, fucking Nipsey Hustle covering. Uh, it's a fucking Sade cover, and the shit is fucking incredible. Super good. Nipsey Hustle everything. For Nipsey the next, Hustle uh, everything. Yeah, Nipsey Hustle everything for the next few weeks. Um, let's move on to the final segment, if we can, if we can. Let's do it. We have uh, the question. I have a question for you. Okay. Are you interested if we okay? So we know we have a limited amount of um, resources, a, lim- a limited amount of living space. And so there's always been conversations of colonizing places like the Mar- like Mars, you know, other habitable planets, uh, maybe the orbit. Uh, you know, we saw mm-hmm. uh, Waterman. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. not too long ago. Aqualad. Aqualad. Um, if you could colonize a space. You know, that is not the habitable land that we are in right now. Uh, what space uh, would you colonize? 
Well, I don't think about colonization, right, inherently in the terms of population. And so I think about uh, resource capture, right? I try to think about doing as little harm as possible to places that humans could exist. Most people wouldn't think about like, but like colonizing under the sea, right? But I wouldn't want to do that first. I would want to be able to terraform first. I would want to like maybe colonize maybe Venus, right? Like do carbon capture and, you know, capture the, the huge reserves of methane gas there use those as fuels. Like methane is not a very clean fuel, but what the fuck do I care if, if you're using it in some form of rocket fuel in space, right? Where it's not going to get captured in Earth's fucking atmosphere. And I see that as like maybe being a very cheap resource that can make interplanetary colonization a, a real thing. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. That sounds pretty cool. I was always thinking about the desert, man. Nice. I just feel like... Um, you know, we talk about the Sahara Desert. It's a land mass that's bigger than the United States. And you already have people that live in and around those deserts. And the deserts are becoming larger and larger due to climate change. If you could find a way to bring water to those places, you know, create aqueducts or uh, canals or, um, you know, any type of rain creation. Uh, we already know that, you know, you can play with the weather in today's science, you know, that exists. If you use those things in a positive way, you've basically discovered a whole other country, uh, uh, not country, landmass, um, you know. Where and those nations can, should, can be, should be leaders in solar capture. Like, I think about the energy output that places like the Sahara Desert could be able to do with, like, you know, very astute state planning as far as like solar energy capture these these they could be leaders of of energy of cheap energy with that being said let's uh let's go to our final segment before i do that i just want to remind everyone uh, we are still building our Wokeshinary. Wokeshinary. So feel free to email us at exitthematrixpodcast at gmail.com, your Wokeshinary terms. It's little bitty simple things. You know what I'm saying? It could be hood comments. It could be like, 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 for example, you know, in the hood, we never said organization. We always said alphabet, right? Because it's all of them. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't, and you don't want to bring the ostracization of a specific one that might not give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? So we always just said alphabet. Good. That's part of the Wokeshinary. Good. So a part of my Wokeshinary and my fuck yous is the same thing. I got to give a big fuck you to a concept. And my big fuck you this week is uh, hero worship and celebrity worship. I We didn't get into this. I didn't think we needed to. I watched um, Finding Neverland the other day. Oh, all the motherfuckers making retractions and shit. <sighs> Oprah's ass deleted all that shit off her IG. Man, Who said me... it? Fuck Oprah. Yeah. Yeah. No, you said it last week. Or two weeks. I mean, you say it all the time. Um, <laughs> I uh, I was re you know uh, I want to give a big fuck you to Will I Am, who said he's basically conversation came to Michael Jackson and he said, well people are, are always talking about you know regular human beings. What about the Bayer Corporation? You know they were given medication like a redirect of of that made no sense. <laughs> wow. Like what world? Like what a reach. Are, do you, did you see Space Jam? No. Well, in Space Jam... But I'm familiar with it. Michael Jordan is trying to dunk on the Monstars. Right, right. And they stop him at half court, and his arm keeps stretching and stretching and stretching. Like, oh, basically, shit. that's how Will I Am was reaching, you know? <laughs> like, how, bread didn't make any sense. And let me tell you, bro, Barbara Streisand, the fuck you to oh Barbara Streisand... Oh, my God. Basically was like, this is an exact she quote She said that they, nobody died. 
But did they die, though? We in the hangover, bro. Yeah, did they die, though? No, I'm telling you. She said Michael Jackson's <laughs> sexual needs are his sexual needs. She said that. And that's those people making arguments for pedophilia and really, man, fuck those people. Fuck those people? Fuck those people. Yeah, and just fuck celebrity worship, uh, celebrity worship and hero worship. That's my, that's my fuck yous. Yeah. Uh, my fuck yous are all these celebrity fucking uh, candidates. Whereas, like, you're only known for being a candidate... You know, people like, oh, and that's that's where we get with the Beto, right? Like, and, and even the Cheeto. These are people that are cult of personalities. And so, like, if the personality wins, that's all you care about. Because God forbid you knew anything about what their actual platforms were. So fuck all the people that are on the hero worship for politicians. No politician will ever be as important as their platform. The names are not nearly as important as the things that they represent. Yeah, facts. Do you have any... um? Do you have any shout-outs? Yo, shout-outs to all of the great poets that just got back from AWP. Saw so many of the homies out there doing work. I, I'm proud of y'all. I see y'all grinding. Y'all getting it in, man. Keep writing them fucking poems. Keep sharing your fucking stories. Uh, I want to give a big shout-out to all of our younger peers who are going to be attending Cupsy, uh, the college... What is that? What does Cupsy stand for? College Underground? No. Uh, college no. and University. College Union Invitational. That's it. Something piracy included. I don't know. Anyway, I'm talking Sports Illustrated. Yeah, no facts. Every shout out to everyone going to uh, to Cupsy. All the young people still out here uh, doing poetry, man, and uh, all the incredible young people that made the DC poetry, DC Youth Poetry Slam team, Um, and everybody out there who's continually trying to do art, trying to push the envelope, trying to you know be an expression of themselves, uh, and try to you know bring community to their space, non-oppressive philosophies to their space. A big shout-out to you as well. My shout-out to everybody that's in the activist community that understands, right, without reproach, the 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 disadvantages that hood people come up with. So shout-out to all of the people that's given lots of love and space for them. You know, uh, King forever, man, stay doing that work, man. And it's like... I saw them going in on a couple of cats that was going on Nipsey. is like, you know, look, Nipsey had a whole lot of very problematic beliefs. But again, how much time in life had this person had? How much exposure had this person had to people that could be a positive change? You know, this person was a person that was looking in search of a teacher, you know, and, and was cut off before they, they could find one, but became one to many. Yeah, absolutely. I think we should, it's a good way to... Uh to end the podcast as well with a, a big shout to Nipsey Hustle. Shout and, out um, to Nipsey Hustle and uh, all of the people he is going to be. Um, he's his memory is going to live on in in their work. You know what I'm saying? Like the amount of people that he touched, the way that he moved through the world. I think a lot of people. You know, it's unfortunate. You know, when when we lose people, uh, you go back and you kind of look at, um, you know, how they're. Uh, how they moved through the world impacted the way that you moved through the world. And I think even for myself, the way that Nipsey moved through the world altered the way that I moved through the world. Um, so a big shout out to him and to y'all for listening. That's the podcast. You got anything else you want to say before we close this bad boy out? Yo, you already know a lot of y'all have subscribed. We can be found on Stitcher. We can be found on Google Play. We can be found on iTunes. You can always go to ExitTheMatrixPodcast.com. We on Facebook. We are also on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Ma- Matrix Podcast. Uh, we are also on Tune FM, um, if that's how you get schmiggity. And we're also on Spotify. Right. And we're going to work on the young people uh, I know use the SoundCloud. Uh, yeah. We're going to get on SoundCloud at some point. 
That's what's up, all yo. Right. So, so shout out to y'all. Love to all of y'all, man. Stay up. Exit the Matrix.